0: Last, uh, late last month, two Australian men, Adam Coleman and Dean Lucas, found themselves in the wrong place at the wrong time. They were travelling the world like many young Aussies do, searching for some good waves to surf and, and a new experience, one that they would never forget. Sadly, the Australian pair ended up in a province of Mexico that is well known for its ruthless drug lords. And as, a loc- as a local authorities investigate their whereabouts, I think it will be never known uh, that, uh, what exactly happened to those two Aussie men. Earlier this year, in, on July the 11th, a well-known drug cartel boss from this same province in Mexico escaped a maximum security prison for the second time. To American authorities it seems obvious that he was able to do this with help from the inside and the out. Once again this cartel boss will not face justice. There are places in our world where it seems as though the law is powerless. Corruption and injustice are not confined to those small pockets of our world but Throughout the world and throughout history, corruption and injustice have made their mark. And although in Australia we enjoy relative peace and security, there are moments when we fear that corruption and injustice also reign here. And there are points when we long for justice. There are times when we are saddened by the news we hear or the scenarios that people tell us, of abuses and negligences or, or discrimination and how the law seems powerless to bring people to account. Our heart's cry is out, cries out for those who are oppressed and we plead that the powers that be might serve justice, justice on earth. We hate it when life's unfair, don't we? But what part does God play in all of this? Does he notice the injustice we see? Does he care about what people do to each other? Can he help you when you are unfairly treated? The Old Testament prophet Habakkuk asks some of these questions and he asks them of God. He lived in a time about 600 BC when when his people were suffering at the hands of corruption. Corruption from within and corruption from without. About a century before uh, this book, the book of Habakkuk, was written, um, the northern kingdom of Israel was dragged off into exile by the Assyrian Empire. And they were dragged off because of their unfaithfulness to God and to God's law and now the southern kingdom where Habakkuk lives, they seem to have not learned the lessons from their big brothers. The rulers of Judah continue to act dishonestly, engaging in questionable practices, but for some reason there is no one to call them to account. And so Habakkuk receives an oracle from the Lord, or a burden to carry. That's another translation here. Habakkuk receives a burden, a burden for justice and a burden for faithfulness to his God. And it's in this book of Habakkuk that we see the prophet, with this burden or oracle, take the bold move of bringing his questions of injustice before God. And this morning, as we look at the first 11 verses of Habakkuk, I I want us to see that The prophet firstly asks a curly question and then it's followed by the Lord's astonishing response. And then we're going to look at what this means for us today. Habakkuk asks a curly question. The Lord has an astonishing response. And then we're going to look at what it means for us today. So firstly, the prophet's curly question. In verses 2 to 4 of this chapter, chapter 1 of Habakkuk, It sounds a little bit like a psalmist, like the psalm we had read before, when Habakkuk asks how long and and why. He asks these questions of God. He can see the injustice that's occurring in his world, and he can see the unnecessary aggression of his people. And he has already asked this of God before. He's asked God to intervene. But to Habakkuk, God is inactive, and is silent to his cries. God either doesn't see what's going on, he doesn't hear the cries of his people, or he doesn't care to extend to his people the justice that they deserve. Habakkuk asks the most basic question of humanity. Why? Why? For years I've been annoyed by children asking me that question. Why? Why? And then when you give an answer what do they say back? But why? It seems to be a never ending cycle this question of why. But I think Habakkuk has a great question here. Why does God act why doesn't God act at injustice? Why doesn't he? Do we know why? Surely If there's one thing we know about God is that he's fair, well, why doesn't he stop the wrongdoing that's around us and bring about justice? Well, in verses 2 to 4, we see the prophet asking this curly question and he is perplexed. He doesn't quite understand what's going on because it seems as though wrong is going unpunished. You can see that in verse 4. Verse 4, wrong seems to be going unpunished. The law has become slack. It's become paralyzed, and justice never prevails. Justice never prevails, Habakkuk says. So wrong is going unpunished. And notice too that sufferers are going unrescued. Can you see that also in verse 2? O oh Lord, how long shall I cry for help, and you will not listen? Or cry to you violence and you will not save. Sufferers are going unrescued. People are being unsaved. And then in verse 4, So the law becomes slack and justice never prevails. The wicked surround the righteous. Sufferers are going unrescued. And to cap it off, Habakkuk, as as he calls out to God accuses him of not answering his prayers. Verse 2 again, as he cries out, he cries out for help, the Lord does not answer. How long do I have to cry out for help? How long? It's interesting, as we saw in the kids' talk, that Habakkuk doesn't hide his concerns from God. We often think that we can't ask God these questions or, or we can't talk about these things with our maybe our Christian friends because we might seem like we don't have faith. But we can ask the questions. Habakkuk asked the questions of God. We are encouraged to ask the questions. So we must be bold enough to ask the questions. Surely, this is a lesson for us. We can ask God the hard questions. Surely, he can... He can have shoulders big enough to handle us and what we ask and we must seek answers from God. We might, must not internally let them boil up and, and change us to, to be angry at God for some reason. Let's go to him and ask him. Let's seek to find answers from his word. He can handle our questions. He can handle our questions. I once thought I could handle questions I turned up at a scripture class and told my year five and year six qu- kids that I'd heard every question from from a, a, a scripture child and I could answer them all. And so one of the kids asked me he said, can you tell me more about the Illuminati group? I had re- read a little bit about them and I could answer some things but that was a question I'd never had heard before. I'd never heard about uh, had never been asked about the Illuminati group by a year five child before but we can ask and we can seek answers from our God he has shoulders that can handle our questions he's heard them all he's heard them all don't think that your question is not unheard by God we can come to him and seek answers and he will answer he answers in his word but he may not give the answer that we want to hear. He may not give the answer we want to hear. And so as Habakkuk asks his question, why doesn't God act at injustice? We find that God's response to Habakkuk is not what he expected. The Lord's astonishing response. Although God had made Habakkuk to look upon wrongdoing and trouble, He now calls Habakkuk to take a second look and to look again and to see what is about to happen. For he may not believe what God has been doing and is doing. Come with me to verse 5. Verse 5 of Habakkuk 2. Verse 5 says to Habakkuk, Look at the nations and see. Be astonished. Be astounded. For a work is being done in your days that you would not believe if you were told. The Lord's astonishing response is found in verses five to eleven. Ask an honest answer. Ask an honest question, and you'll receive an honest answer. The Lord's astonch. Uh, the Lord's response is astonishing. You see. As we read through verses 5 to 11, we find that God is going to act against the injustice that is in Israel, but he is going to use the evil of people. It's surprising. And it's surprising at two levels. You see, uh, you can see there in verse 6 that God is arising, he's, he's rousing the Chaldeans, that fierce and impetuous nation, Another word for Chaldeans is the Babylonians. He is rising up the Babylonians to come in and bring justice against Israel. So what's so surprising about this Well, The Chaldeans, or the Babylonians, they were only small and insignificant at the time. It was Egypt who was the superpower that was raging and flexing its muscle. But for God to say that the Babylonians would rise and take over Israel was a bit like God saying that Tasmania would soon become the capital of Australia. They were only small. They were insignificant. And uh, they were, it was never going to happen. It was never going to happen. That was the first surprise for Habakkuk as he hears the Lord's response. But the second surprise was that God was going to bring this evil nation Babylon, and more evil nation to bring judgment and destruction to Israel. And you can see the destruction as it comes. Verse 6, you can see that this nation, Babylon, were cold-hearted. For I am rousing the Chaldeans, that fierce and impetuous nation, who marched through the breadths of the earth to seize dwellings not their own. They were cold-hearted cold-hearted, coming through, taking a land that was not their own. And they were well-resourced. Verse 8 says that they were well-resourced. Their horses are swifter than leopards, more menacing than wolves at dusk. Their horses charge. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle swift to devour. They are well-resourced and able to take over. Although Habakkuk and Israel did not think so at the time. The Babylonians were determined. Verse 9, they were determined. They all come for violence with faces pressing forward. They gather captives like sand. Faces pressing forward, determined to take over Israel and to bring destruction. And they are unstoppable. Verse 10, at kings they scoff. Of rulers they make sport. They laugh at every fortress and heap up earth. To take it. The Babylonians are coming. They will come to destroy Israel. They might seem small now, but they are unstoppable. And God is using them to bring judgment on Israel. And the final part that brings, brings Habakkuk to grief is that this nation is godless. Verse 11, Then they sweep by like the wind, They transgress and become guilty. Their own might is their God. This godless nation is coming. It is coming to destroy Israel. It is coming to bring justice. God is going to use this godless people against the evil in Israel. Now, for God to intervene in such a way seems amazing it seems that the answer to Habakkuk's question brings up more questions for us, for Habakkuk. And over the next week or two, we're going to be looking at how uh, Habakkuk's next question and how God seeks to answer the question of God using evil to bring about justice. And so you'll have to come back next week and the week after to get the answer to those questions. So to Habakkuk, the idea of God using Babylon to bring justice was shocking. It was astonishing. But God did say to him that you would not believe it, even if you were told. How often are you surprised by the way God answers your prayers? God answers our prayers often in an unusual way, in a surprising way, in a way that we don't expect. And so we must be careful what we ask for because God answers our prayers. He hears and he knows what we are asking. And so we've seen the prophet's curly question, why doesn't God act at injustice? And we have seen the Lord's astonishing response, he will act against evil using evil people. So what can we learn from this section of Habakkuk, chapter 1? What can we learn today? Well, we can learn quite simply that God is committed to justice. He is not passive. He is not weak. He's not disinterested in us or in what's going on around us. He hears Habakkuk's cry. He sees injustice. And he is also acting against injustice because it matters. It matters to him. God is a just God. Sin and rebellion are taken very seriously. And God will keep all people accountable for their sin. Unpunished crime will not go unpunished. Unpunished sin will not go unpunished. Although for a while we see uh, that things do, do not go uh, punished, they will not stay that way. God is committed to justice and he will bring about justice for all. But we must be careful. We must be careful in our quick call for justice. Because when we notice corruption and injustice around the world, we must also realise that we are not exempt from that corruption and injustice. We are not exempt from committing sin. Who can say that they have truly never committed wrong in their lives? Who can truly say that they are innocent? For when we call for justice, we are calling for judgement on ourselves. When we call for justice, we are calling for judgment on ourselves. And so the warning is for us. The warning is for us. This reminds me of, uh, of one of Paul's sermons in Acts chapter 13, where he actually quotes Habakkuk chapter 1. In Paul's sermon, he's He's giving an overview of the Bible and, and right at, uh, just after he's talked about the Lord Jesus and the forgiveness that he gives at the cross to all who trust in him, he then goes and right at the end quotes Habakkuk chapter 1. Jesus has set his people free in an astonishing way. He has brought forgiveness. But then Paul says these very, very uh, scary words. He says to those listening in in verse 40 of Acts 13, He says, Beware therefore that what the prophet said does not happen to you. Remember what the prophet said? Look, you scoffers, be amazed and perish. For in your day I am doing a work, a work that you will never believe, even if someone tells you. The work of Jesus on the cross was an act of justice. Do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus can take your sin on his shoulder as he dies upon the cross? Even if you are told, do you believe this? As God acts in an astonishing way, in a way that sounds completely unusual. He brings us into relationship with him through Jesus' death on the cross on our behalf. Do you believe what you hear? Do you trust it? Paul challenges his hearers to be warned, to beware, to believe what you hear about the Lord Jesus Christ, to believe in his death for you, on your behalf, as he takes your punishment on his shoulder, so that you don't have to. So that you don't have to. Well, as we finish having a look at chapter one of of uh, of Habakkuk, we have seen the prophet's curly question. We have seen the prophet's curly question, and then we have seen the Lord's astonishing response. And then as we see the Lord's astonishing response we notice the warning that there is for us. As we look at injustice in our world we see corruption. We see injustice and hurt. But as we do we must remember that the Lord God is committed to justice. That he is committed to bringing about things in a right way. And he does execute justice and he will execute judgment on all, on all people. And so we must come to the cross so that we don't experience that punishment that we deserve. We must trust in the astonishing way that he answers that prayer. His judgment is good news. Without God's judgment, we are left with a world that gets away with murder. But this is not how things should be, and this is not how things will be. People will not get away from their sin and rebellion. For God is coming. He will execute justice. So be found in the Lord Jesus Christ, where your sin has been paid for, and trust in him. As you seek justice, make sure you are covered with the righteousness of Christ. For God sees the injustice in our world and will call each of us to account. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we ask that as we see injustice in our world, that you would help us to beware of our own predicament before you. Help us, Heavenly Father, to come to you and confess our sin. Help us uh, to confess our failures before you, to receive the forgiveness that the Lord Jesus offers. Help us to trust in the astonishing way in which he brings about our salvation. And help us, Heavenly Father, not to be afraid to ask you the hard questions, but to know that you hear our prayer, that you answer us, and that we can seek Those answers in your word, the Bible. And we ask this for Jesus' sake. Amen.